0: You who dwell in the shelter of the Lord, who abide in the the shadow for life, say to the Lord, my refuge, my rock in whom I trust, and he will raise you up on eagle wings bear you on the breath of dawn make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand This is really the heart of the proclamation of the gospel and the good news of the Lord for us today in the Lenten season as we begin our journey. And it has everything to do with the Father and if we trust the Father, if we trust that he is in fact good and will provide for us, or if in fact we Waver and don't believe that he will provide for us. Everything rests on this foundation. Maybe you've heard that song before, one of my favorites for the spiritual meaning there and it's taken from the Psalm as we hear today. But it's powerful that first line, you who dwell in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, say to the Lord, my refuge and fortress, my God, in whom I trust, my rock in whom I trust. We hear in the first reading this phrase in this line where Moses is speaking to the people of the Israelites in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And he's saying, you know, this is, this is how the Lord wants you to bring your, bring your offering before him, bring yourself before him. What's holy worship? What's true worship? You know, bring your basket there, set it in front of the altar of the Lord your God, and then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt in a small household. He lived there as an alien. I think this is Jacob Israel, who journeyed down to, Israel, journeyed down to Egypt with his family, his household, it was 70, and Joseph there as well, 70 persons. This began as a very small family, but it says, But there, we became a great nation, great, strong, and numerous. But then the Egyptians maltreated and oppressed us. They forced us into hard slavery. And we were experiencing the oppression. But then we cried to the God of our fathers, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he heard our cry. He listened to us. He stooped down to us and he was attentive to our needs. And he saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And what did he do? He brought us out of Egypt. He brought us out of affliction. He brought us out of oppression. He brought us out of forced labor and slavery. And how did he do it? With outstretched arm, with strong hand, with terrifying power, with signs and wonders. We know those amazing realities that he wrought in the land of Egypt, turning the Nile into blood, sending the plagues of locusts and the hail and the storms and the fire and the death of the firstborn, the darkness of the night and the Passover. And he brought us into this country, into the promised land, and he gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. He brought us into a place of freedom where we could truly live as God's people, not under oppression, but in freedom that God brings to us and only God brings to us. And it says, therefore, you are to proclaim, therefore, because of all of those things, I have now brought you the first fruits of the products of the soil, which you, O Lord, have given me. And so this, because the Lord has delivered us from oppression, affliction, desolation, this place of death, into a place of life and freedom. Our response is, therefore, Lord, I'm gonna give you the very first fruits. I'm gonna give you the choicest blessings of this land, of of the, the fruits of our labor, because it is ultimately a gift from you. You've given it to us. You've brought us into freedom. As I think this sets the stage for our whole Lenten journey, that story of salvation, which is ultimately wrapped up so deeply in the story of Israel, and that covenant with his people, Yes, we are God's people, but we oftentimes we've fallen into a place of oppression, of slavery, of forced labor. And we know the devil is out there working very hard to get us to turn our hearts from the Lord, to go after the idols of Egypt, to go after these things, to feel like they will satisfy us. They're gonna provide for us, but ultimately knowing there's a slavery there And the more we go after those things that are not of God, the more we get oppressed, the more we get into slavery, and the more we find ourselves into bondage when we try to seek those things that will never fit and will always fail to satisfy because they're not the Lord. But this season is a season of deliverance and freedom in Christ. we see in the gospel passage today, Jesus speaks, and we know that we see him in the desert. And I think this is important, filled with the Holy Spirit, who's led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days and were reminded of the Israelites. They were there 40 years, they were fasting, they were in the desert, they were in this place of parched land and parched earth, and in that desert, there's, that, there's this sense of I have nothing here, but the only thing I have is a reliance, a reliance. I, I experience my deep need for something because I can't fill it myself. I can't go to the food. I can't go to the water. I can't go to any other things. It's just me and my, myself and my nothingness and a recognition that I need something else to fill, to provide, to sustain me. And that's that experience of the desert. And we we go through these temptations and we know the devil is there and Christ is there and he's, all of these temptations, the devil's kind of firing him, firing away at him. You know, if you are the son of God, he's gone right to the core of his identity. Do you really think you're a son of the father? Do you really think you're a child of God? Do you really think he's gonna provide for you? You really think he loves you. You really think he cares for you, if you are the son of God. Command this stone to be turned into bread. Provide for yourself. Do it yourself. Save yourself. Because he's not gonna take care of you. You gotta do it yourself. So he fires away at his identity as a son of God, child of God, of the Father. And we know Jesus very faithfully answers I don't live by bread alone. I live by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Father. I'm not living just for this world, I'm living the Father, and he's gonna take care of me. And we see the same thing on these temptations. Devil shows him the kingdoms of the world. Says, "These these are my kingdoms, the devil says, I give them. I give them to whom I want. The Lord very faithfully responds and knows there is one kingdom and it's the kingdom of God. My father is the king and I follow my father. I don't need these other kingdoms of the world that are less. I live for one kingdom, for the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be given to you besides. This is the heart of Jesus. And then the final one is very important. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said again, if you are the son of God, identity, did the the father really care for you? If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will guard you. They will support you lest you dash your foot against the stone. So he's trying to tempt Jesus to say, you know what? Yeah, I have to, Maybe maybe I do have to test the Father's love. If, if he really loves me, then he won't let me fall. But again, the Lord knows who he is. He knows he's a son of God. And Jesus says to him in reply, it also says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He already knows in that deep place of security in the Father's love, he's already going to provide for me. I don't have to test him. I don't have to figure it out if dad's going to be there for me. I know he is. I know who I am. But I think that's an important entry point into the Old Testament. You, now, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And the next, of that, the, the next line of that is, as, as they did at the waters at Meribah. And if we go back to the Old Testament of the waters at Meribah, we see that the Israelites are in the desert and Moses is their leader appointed by the Lord. And they're at the desert and they're, they're journeying and they're experiencing their nothingness. They're experiencing their lack. They're pretty parched and pretty thirsty. And they're complaining to Moses, they're grumbling. And it even says they held a council against Moses and said, who is this guy? He's leading us into the desert from the Lord. We gotta, we gotta get rid of him. Is he really leading us to a place of life? Can we really trust him? Can we trust the Lord? And they were resenting and complaining that God had brought them out of slavery into the desert and this is their question they're putting to the Lord, to the Father in, in so many ways. Are you really going to provide for me? In my deepest need, are you going to be there? It says in Scripture, the Israelites said, you know, here we don't even have any water in this place. And I think that's the cry of so many hearts, my own included, at times when we doubt, right? When we're when we shaken, when we're weak. Say, Father, are you going to really be there for me? Are you really going to satisfy my needs? Can I rely on you with everything? There's no water here. You're not giving me what I need. You're never here for me, in fact. You're never going to be here. You reject me. You abandon me. You leave me on my own. You're not going to be there for me. So I, I gotta I gotta find some way to get it myself because you're not gonna be there. You're not gonna provide. And this is that wound that we all carry that says, I don't trust you, Father. I don't trust that you're gonna provide for me. I don't trust you will. And what happens at Meribah, the waters, the very name means contending, contention. Israelites are contended with the Lord. The water's at Meribah, the water's at contention. You're gonna provide for us, Lord. And Moses, the Lord calls to Moses, and Aaron says, come here. They prostrate themselves before the Lord's presence and say, Lord, what are we gonna do here? Your people are pretty upset. What are we gonna do? And the Lord says, call the people together, take your staff, and I want you to reveal my sanctity before the Israelites. And I want you to draw water out of the rock before them. Draw water out of the rock in the desert that they may know my sanctity. And so Moses does, he goes, he gets the staff. He calls the people together. He says, you rebels, listen up. Shall we even bring forth water out of this rock to let you know that God does care for you and he's here for you? and it says that Moses raised the staff and struck the rock. It says he struck it twice. But then it says that water gushed forth in abundance for the Israelites. And not only for the Israelites to drink, but also for their livestock. And so there was an abundance that the Lord provided, a revelation of his sanctity. I not only give you what you need, I give you an abundance. I give you an overflowing measure because this is who I am. I'm a father who is there for you in your deepest need. And there's no water. There's nothing to sustain your life. I'm there. Trust me. I will not fail you. And even with Moses, it says, you know, the Lord was upset with Moses because Whatever the details were, there was some way in which Moses, he struck the rock, and maybe it's, it was only supposed to strike it once, and then the Lord was gonna show up. But then he, maybe in his heart, he was thinking, well, you know, is he really gonna hear? I don't see the water, maybe. Maybe I gotta strike it again. And so there was something in Moses' heart that wasn't fully trusting that the Lord was gonna show up because it says in Scripture shortly after that, the Lord was upset with Moses, and he says, I wanted to reveal my sanctity before the Israelites, not your greatness, Moses, not your goodness, not that you're so holy that you got it all together, that you got to show my people that you're the man and they can trust you. I'm the Lord, it's my holiness. He had to believe in me. And so even Moses, even religious leaders, even priests, we need to trust that the Father is enough. Not to say, hey, I got it going on, you listen to me. Now the Father is enough. We got nothing, we got nothing. But the Father has got everything and he gives it in overflowing measure. And this is precisely the Lenten journey because we don't go in the desert alone, we go with Christ, we go through Christ, we go with Christ, we go in Christ as he is rock solid in his identity with the Father. If you are the son of God, I know I'm the son of God. If you are the son of God, I know I'm the son of God. You don't need to test me, I don't need to put him to the test. I know who I am. And so we know that we're journeying ultimately to Easter, to this revelation of God's resurrection as we hear in the second reading of Paul. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And brothers and sisters, this is the ultimate expression that Jesus trusts in the Father, even to his very own death. He's on the cross and this is his heart. Father, you will provide for me. You will provide for me, even in death. You will provide for me. Looks like everything is ruined and broken and gone. You will provide, Father, and I trust you. All the way to the end. And how do we know the Lord was vindicated in his trust? Because he was, in fact, raised from the dead. The Father did give him what he needed. And in an abundant, overflowing measure, because he died once, but now he is raised forever, and now he dies no more. He lives forever. That's an overflowing measure of an eternal gift of life that God gives when we trust him. And as we're here in the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy, before the Divine Mercy image, what is the real rock in the wilderness? It's the heart of Christ. And what happens when that heart is pierced and water flows out in abundance and blood But the gift of eternal life, the gift of the Holy Spirit given to you. This is where we're journeying. It's a revelation of the heart of Christ, that rock in the wilderness, the same heart that is the rock on the cross, that same heart that says, the soldier thrust the lance into his side, pierced him, and blood and water flowed out. Because God gives an abundance, an outpouring of his mercy and his grace, and we need not fear that the Lord will provide because he does in abundance, in overflowing measure, evidenced by the resurrection. So this Lenten season, I challenge you, I urge you, I exhort you, walk with Christ. As the Israelites did, they're at the waters and they're in the desert and they're facing their own lack, their own need, and there's this pool. Do I say, Lord, you're gonna provide for me? Or do I go to something else that I think is gonna provide? And I'm tempted to go, you know, you're not going to be here, Father. i got to get it myself. What's that place in your heart? What's that place in my heart? I have it too. And go there with Christ. Go there with Christ. And with confidence, say, Father, you're going to provide for me. Every time you're tempted with that. Father, you're going to provide for me. Father, you're going to provide for me. I don't need these other things that are not you. I know who I am, I'm a child of God. And we draw that strength from the heart of Christ. And so as we continue with our liturgy, you know, the Lord is once more gonna be near us in the Eucharist. As St. Paul says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. The Lord's gonna come into our mouth. The Lord's gonna come into our hearts. He's gonna feed us with the rock of Christ, the blood and water, and he's gonna place his presence in our mouth and in our hearts the power of the sons and daughters of God is going to be in us. So we can overcome. And So as we continue, we just ask the Lord for that grace to trust him, to go together into the desert with Christ, to go through Christ, to go with Christ, to go in Christ into the desert and say, Father, I trust in you you are going to provide for me. And he will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm. Of his hand.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org.